I never heard the music, so I'm not sure um, what's going on, if it's still playing or, or what. Can you guys hear me in the chat room? Uh, uh, kind of. Blog Talk is having problems this evening. Okay, thank you, Penn. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, I don't know if the show will last through the topic, so if I have to do the topic over again, we'll just do a copy and paste and do the show again tomorrow. Uh, um, because they're having some kind of issue that they put a note on my dashboard and told me on the phone when I called that they were having an issue. So, if things get fucked up, we'll try again tomorrow. Um, the question is, what kind of process do you go through when writing in a new fandom? How do you pick it? What kind of canon research do you do? I know you just started writing Hobbit this year. How did you make that decision? At what point do you decide how much canon you're ignoring and what you want to change, major and minor? This is... um. You might want um, it. It it greatly depends on the fandom. Some fandoms just grab you by the balls, and you, you just you can't let go, and you never let go, and then you're just you're ten years in. And um, I recently celebrated seven years in fandom in May. I didn't do anything for it, but I've been. Um, that's my writing anniversary, or my posting anniversary for my own site. It's in May somewhere. It's 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 on my Facebook event calendar. But I, I think it was seven years this year. Um, I think that uh, it just it just greatly depends. And sometimes, you know, like when it came to Stargate, I read a whole bunch of Genfic, and then I read a whole bunch of... Um, uh, Hetfic with Ronan and Keller, but I don't think I fell in love with Stargate Atlantis until I read Time in a Bottle by Astolot. Um, I hope that's how she says her name. If not, I apologize deeply for misspelling your, for misspeaking your name. Time in a Bottle um, broke me. It it broke me and remade me, and I was like, oh, girl. Look at you. That, I mean, it was just, it it blew my mind. I hadn't anticipated, honestly, finding that quality of fiction in fandom, which I know sounds snotty, but um, I uh, had only ever dabbled in fan fiction privately, so I'd never even participated in fandoms at, uh, online, or um, I'd never been to conventions, I'd never seen a fanzine, so... Um, I really had no exposure to the to the depth of fandom um, until I stumbled across Time in a Bottle, and of course that led me to a list of fix that I was told if I was going to be in the Stargate fandom I had to read them, and so the very next fic I read after a time um, um, Time in a Bottle was Freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. Uh, which I've talked about at length many, many times on my radio show, and it tore my heart out, and it launched my first OTP. Because at that time, I was writing Dark Places in the Soul. So I was, you know, I was kind of knee-deep in the um, Keller Ronan, and I'd paired John with, um, with uh, 
God, I forgot her name. The redhead. Uh, oh, God, in duet. Cadman, thank you. Cadman, I had paired John with Cadman in that story, but after I read Freedom, I lost all interest in that pairing in my story, and I had a really difficult time writing it, because it, oh, God. Oh, God, what that story did to me. And I'm in plenty of fandoms now, and um, but... I say this, and I mean no insult by it at all. Um, the talent in the Stargate fandoms is beyond. You, there's no other fandom online that is as talented as the Stargate fandom at, when it comes to writing, with with the exception perhaps of Inception, which is mostly full full of Stargate writers. <laughs> Um, and it was, it just, it just blew my mind, and I, I don't know how I stumbled into Sentinel, I, I really don't. I think it might have been that crossover, um, there was a crossover fic where, uh, I think, I think it was the one where Rodney was the fragile Sentinel, um, and I read that, and I thought, well, I don't even know what Sentinels are. So I, I, I went over to a prospect place um, through Fumbling, and I dug in, and I read every single thing on there that didn't have a rape warning on it, um, or a slave warning, because I don't read those stories. Uh, and I, I I was just enthralled. I was so enthralled that one night I sat down without even plotting, and I started writing um and I eventually had to stop trying to write a Sentinel story without plotting. And so I finally plotted and replotted and plotted again, and what the final product was The Awakening. And at that point, I had never, ever watched a single episode of The Sentinel. <laughs> Every single bit of that um, characterization and their names. I didn't even know what they looked like. I had to look them up. I had to look up the actors that played the parts. I, I had no idea what any of them looked like with the exception of Jim and Blair because I had seen fan art. Um, and I was just like, what do these bitches look like? I have to go look. And so I, um, I had never watched a show. And people, I, you know, people were, some people liked it and some people didn't, and there was some backlash. And I kind of backed away from the Sentinel fandom because I wasn't prepared for that, and I um, I didn't um, expect it. Um, and just another word. I'm putting these titles on. Uh but uh, the the Fragile Sentinel story that I was talking about is called Imperfection. It's by Dasha. Uh, and um, those of you who are on the podcast will have links on the radio show when it finishes. Um, anyways, I...
I was so like you know just it was like overwhelming, and so I I I, I delved into this and I delved into that, and I had actually written um, uh, some. Stargate and some Star Trek fan fiction when I was younger, and I'd written some Harry Potter fiction when I was younger, obviously, um, but I'd never shared it with anybody, and um, so um, my first big push into fandom was what might have been. Um, I say that because Dark Places in the Soul might have been my first series, but it really didn't get a lot of attention, and um, people weren't that interested in it, but when I posted the first part of what might have been my site visits, tripled overnight. I went from having roughly 30 or 40 um, visitors a day to having over 400 um, by the end of the week. By the end of the week, the first time I posted, it was um, I was having four to 500 visitors a day. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I'd only written that one part, and I hadn't planned on making it a series. And But then suddenly it was a series, and I had to plot, and I had to move things around. And... Um, it became this thing, and I um, I remember I ignored my statistics for a long time because that first time I realized that my visitors was was kind of amazing. I was like, oh, God, I can't even look at that. So I didn't even look at it. And after my first year, um, WordPress sent me a little email. And in the email, it said, this is your report for the year. And it had a little, shot, a little slideshow and a little fireworks thing. And... At the end of it, it said you had 98,000 visitors in the year. I forget what year it was. And I went, what? What, what, what? <laughs> Are you fucking crazy, fandom? What is this? And then I moved to my own site because I got tired of paying for all these little extra things on, on WordPress.com and um, not being able to put in the things that I wanted to do and not being able to have a chat room and all those things, and it was getting really super annoying. And so I um, started my own site, and um, I think that I might have been in the middle of posting uh, Ties That Bind. And um, Ties That Bind is my most viewed project across the board in every format but ebook. Um, there's been a humongous amount. Um, Amount of downloads for the Harry Potter ebooks, and but especially the the Awakening, it it, um, it has the most downloads of of any ebook on my site, and it's just it's curious that I um, this is going to sound really funny, but I actually have more friends on my Kira profile than I do any of my profe- my professional pen names on Facebook, for instance. Um, Kira has more Twitter followers. <laughs> and I think I think it boils down to the fact because um when you work as a professional online you have to um and and you work for money that you end up sanitizing yourself and 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 you're not very entertaining. Um but I don't have to sanitize myself uh, cuz I'm not making money for anybody but myself. And at the end of the day, if a publisher finds me, my personality, um, not worth the risk, then I just move on to another or I self-publish as Kara because it's it, it's just about me. Um, I, it can be considered censorship if you, yeah, but what it boils down to is that uh, freedom of speech comes with consequences. 
Yes, I could get online as my professional profile and say the shit that I say as Kara, um, but the end result would be that I might not get my next book contract. Um, I might not get a bigger ad- the the advance that I expect to get on my next contract because I'm considered a risk. Uh, if I post controversial political issues, I could. Um, divide my reader base and um, lose money, both for myself and my publisher and my agent. Uh, So really what it boils down to um, is is not so much um, censorship but consequences because Kira doesn't face any consequences really. I mean, you know, yeah, I get threats of beheading in my email, but fuck that. Um, they're not gonna. That that person has no ability whatsoever to impact my ability to make money, um, but my agent does. <laughs> and so, if my agent is unhappy with me, it's a problem. Um, so, in a lot of ways, fandom became a a haven for me. It's um, um, a place where I can I can be myself and and not worry so much about the consequences of um, my opinions. And, and stating my opinions, but I think that oh yeah that happened. Say Wolf, I did get a threat of beheading in my email, and I was talking to um, the mod group about it, and there was like in the in the ways that it happened to me, it, there, there were like three or four different really famous women personalities on the internet that were um, female gamers that were threatened with this, and she said it's just a terrorist thing. It's just a terrorist. Um, threat, and that's what it is. It's the threat of beheadment. It's it's what terrorists do. They behead their prisoners, and so men online use that as a threat to terrorize women. Oh, there's a lot wrong with humanity, <laughs> and that's a whole different topic. <laughs> but anyways, um, I uh, oh, I lost my links. Lady Holder, would you put those links back up? Those those three links for me, I'd really appreciate it. I um, I you know so fandom up, approaching a new fandom, and you mentioned in your comment pen that I was um, um, I'm writing in the Hobbit fandom, and I am writing in the Hobbit fandom. I have four works in progress for the Hobbit, but I'll tell you this: I will not be participating in the Hobbit fandom in any shape or form beyond posting my work on my private site. Because the Hobbit fandom is full of assholes. Entitled, self-righteous, ignorant assholes. And I'm not going to um, involve myself in them. And if they come to read my work, they will behave themselves or they will get thrown off my site. Because I'm just not going to put up with that shit anymore. Speaking of, to the person who got banned and managed to circumvent my security and add himself back to my site today, I want you to know I saw that and I deleted you again and I've banned your new IP, so I hope that wasn't too expensive for you to get a new one from your um, uh, internet company because it cost me $500 to get a new IP address. So I'm just you know curious as to know how much it costs you, if it costs you anything. You don't have to email me. 
I'm not that curious, but what I would like to also congratulate you on is your complete and utter inability to accept that you're not wanted somewhere because I don't want you in my space. And yet you feel perfectly comfortable invading my space because you're an entitled, little dick, stupid motherfucker. And I hope your dick falls off, what there is of it. I do. I hope your dick falls off. And I hope you die in a fire afterwards. <sighs> oh, well, that escalated a little. <laughs> Sorry. Not really. I just, you know, when when someone doesn't want you in their space and you keep invading their space anyway, you're a fucking predator. You're a fucking useless piece of shit predator. And... I'm going to say this, all of the people that I have banned from my site have been male. Every single one of them have presented themselves as male to me online. Whether they actually have a dick in real life or not, I'm not entirely sure, nor nor do I care. Um, I don't care what they got going on in their pants. Here's the thing. When you go somewhere you're not wanted... you are presenting the attitude that what you want is more important than what anybody else might want. And that makes you selfish and ugly. Claire says, blog talk shut out on I Won't Write in the Hobbit fandom and reloaded with You Have a Tiny Dick. Okay, <laughs> if for some reason that cut out and it, on the podcast and no one heard it um i'm going to write i mean i'm I'm, i have four works in progress for the hobbit fandom but i am not going to participate in the hobbit fandom i'll be posting my work on my own site um and if it gets if it's recommended in the hobbit fandom that will be the only way they know about it because i am remotely uninterested in being a part um of the of the Hobbit fandom because um they're a bunch of entitled twats and um no. I no. Anyways <clears throat> and he does have a little dick. He you know, here's the thing. You know, when a woman says no, leave, I don't want you in my space and you keep coming back, you're a fucking monster. I fucking lost the links again. Damn it. Hold on. Anyways. I didn't click on them all. Okay. Now I got them. Okay. Anyways. um, <laughs> no, no, I got them. It's good. Uh, so what happens um, is is that when, like with The Hobbit, I, I watched the first two movies. I have not watched the third. I am one of those people who by the end of the second Hobbit movie... I was on board that ship and ready to sail. Here I come. Let's go. I'm not watching part three. I just decided. I watched a YouTube video of the the death scene, and that's enough for me. I don't need to see the rest. I really don't. I was over here ugly crying. I was like, (gasps) it was terrible. It was terrible. My husband thought someone legit that I know died. (laughs) 
can't watch the movie. I cannot watch the Battle of the Five Armies. I'm never going to do it. It's just not going to happen. I do happen to own it, but I'm not going to be watching it. Um, anyways, because my mom um, and I share a uh, an Amazon account, and um, she bought it, Five Armies, so she could watch it. Because I'd watch, I'd bought the first two parts, and I um, I watched them. And one day she was bored, and she was in my video library, and she and she stumbled across them, so she watched them. So Amazon has that thing. Oh, hey, did you know? And part three came out, right? And so she immediately bought it. And watched it, then called me and cussed me out. And then she was, oh, God help me, she was watching um, Lord of the Rings, and she was watching the first one. And she calls me, and she says, is that Ori? Is that Ori skeleton in the room with the book? Is that Ori? And I went, oh, Mama. She went, fuck you, and hung up on me. <laughs> I was like. Well, I told her. I told her. Okay? I told her. She knew it was Ori, but seeing it and knowing it were apparently two different things. And she was really super upset when she realized that the other body in the room was was Balin and Owen. Yeah, and um um she was just like she was just she was livid. She didn't speak to me for 2 days. I'm like I told you. I told you. I told you. And she was like, it's just bullshit. <laughs> she just thinks the whole thing is bullshit. Bullshit. Um, it's just, it's it's terrible. It, it is real terrible. And um, But the Hobbit fandom sucked me in. Um, but that's not um, what made me want to write for the Hobbit fandom. I was all on board with the ship. I was over on AO3, minding my own business, and I stumbled across something called a Cabbage Patch Baby Thick. It wasn't called that. Um, I think it was Flowers for Yovana. Um, and it was a Bilbo-Thorin pairing, and I got to looking at these Cabbage Patch Baby Thicks, and then I come across female um, Bilbo, and I was like, oh, that's what I've been missing. That's what I, yes, thank you. Thank you, Hobbit fandom. That was my last thank you to the Hobbit fandom, by the way, the last one. And I was like, oh, God, there you go. There you go. That's what I needed. That's what I was missing. Um, and, uh, so I've got four works in progress <laughs> for them. And there was no decision. It Really, where I just sat down and was like, okay, am I going to write for the Hobbit fandom? It wasn't so much, am I going to write for the Hobbit fandom, is what am I going to write for the Hobbit fandom? So there was never a uh, a question of if, but what I was going to write for the Hobbit fandom and, and where I wanted to go with it. And um, Molly says, Kira, when are you to fix Teen Wolf? I know you want to. Here is my problem with Teen Wolf. I've watched exactly 30 minutes of the pilot. And fan fiction is all over the place. And there isn't a lot of genfic that I trust to be um, more accurate than not. So... In order for me to be a productive writer in the Teen Wolf fandom, I would have to force myself to watch that shit, and I'm not sure I can.
what I um I I did plot Bunny Senna. Um and um I so so I have these these ideas. Yes, carving was another one that I read that was just amazingly beautiful. Uh Thorin carves a baby. It's great. It's amazing. I love it. Uh and um so, but all the so it was the fic that these these different authors inspired me to 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 enter the fandom as a writer. Um, Star Trek, I never shipped Kirk Spock in the original series. I never shipped anybody really in the original series. I didn't read Star Trek fan fiction. And then the new movie came out, and Chris Pine. Oh God, Chris Pine. So. <laughs> Oh hello, hello, Captain Kirk. Where have you been all my life? And 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 Tangled Destinies was born. I had a good portion of Tangled Destinies plotted within about six hours of having watched Star Trek, the 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 reboot movie. Um, we went to see it, and um, my husband hated it, and I loved it. And um, we went to have dinner, and by the time we got home, I had the first episode of Tangled Destinies completely plotted in my head. And I had some stuff written on a napkin. I mean, I was all in. I was all in from, from like, um, I'm talking, like, 25 minutes into that movie, I was already going, okay, this is what I'm going to do with this, and this is what I'm going to do with this, and I'm definitely getting rid no, that's not going to happen. And, you know, <laughs> I'm already taking canon apart. The new canon is in pieces by the time I leave the movie. And that's how deep that was. It was like, boom, it was there. It was full-formed. Uh, so, and Harry Potter, I read a lot of Harry Potter before I decided to dip my fingers back in that fandom as a writer. Um, and there was just so much to read and, and so many stories that were told. And I didn't know what I had um, in me to add to that fandom that I would consider valuable. Um, and I just, I, I, I just didn't know. I just really didn't know what I could contribute, what I could contribute to um, I really enjoyed the reboot. I I see it as an alternate universe, and I don't have a single problem with either one of the two movies that are put out. I'm looking forward to part three. I just don't consider it. Um, it is literally an alternate universe for me, and um, it's like really interesting fan fiction. And so and so that that's how I view it and how I treat it, and I don't have any expectations for it any more than I would any other piece of fan fiction, which I know would probably insult the fuck out of the director and the writers of those movies, but I don't care. It is fan fiction as far as I'm concerned because Gene Roddenberry isn't writing it. <laughs> if Gene Roddenberry didn't write it, it's not canon as far as I'm concerned, and that includes the books and the movies that he wasn't involved in making. But that's just me. I made Kirk a Betazoid because when I came home that night, I I went over to the Kirk Spock archive and ate. I literally ate. I don't know, um, five hundred thousand words in about I don't know three days, and so by the time I wrote Genesis, I'd already read a story where. Kirk's grandfather was a Betazoid, and I was like, oh, that's on. That is so on. I love that idea. I fucking love it. 
I fucking love it. It'll be great. And so, yeah, I was all deep on that. And, yeah, and Azura isn't the only one. Azure isn't the only one. I have um, fucked up on that Kirk being a Betazoid because I had a reader um, who eventually bought the movie from Amazon and, and watched it, and she she wrote me and said, well, when do we find out that Kirk's a Betazoid in the movies? Is it in part two? I was like, oh, no, honey, that's my fanon. And I do that to people all the time, and I'm sorry. I think actually it's kind of, um, it's like, oh, shit, sorry, but it's also really super flattering that I can put um, something, that I can push something into a story in such a way that people don't realize it's not canon. And um, it's always super flattering when, when, when people ask me when Matt Shepard is going to make an appearance in Stargate Atlantis, and I have to tell them that he's not because he's an O.C., and they didn't realize that. It's 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 really flattering to be able to insert an original character into an ensemble cast and not even stumble as far as a new reader is concerned. They don't realize this person doesn't belong in Stargate. So they fully expect to see Matt Shepard in the show. And when they don't, they get a little mad. <laughs> So it's really interesting, you know, to to uh and I'm really proud of 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 the character work I've done for Matt because a, a lot of people um assume or forget that he's not a canon character and that says um that's just really uh it's just super flattering to have that because it means I did a really good job of 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 putting him into the ensemble so that you know that he looks natural and his and and his movement in the story and the plot doesn't look um forced or awkward and that's just great that that's um that's craft work I can be really super proud of but anyways because a lot of times if you if if you read a story and there's an OC in it the OC doesn't fit they don't it's it's awkward and jarring, and so um, and that's why a lot of people in fandom don't like original characters, is because they're not developed well, they're not um, put into the canon um, cast in a way that uh, is smooth. So it it becomes um, difficult for for readers to assimilate the new character in a story. Um, so I've, just, I've covered Stargate and Star Trek and um, Harry Potter. Harry Potter, um, like I said, I just didn't know what I could offer Harry Potter because I I I really didn't know what I had to offer that fandom because I was reading Harry and Hermione, I was reading Harry and Draco, and there were all these plots and all these stories telling the same kinds of things that I would be telling, you know, um, I'll... I love the Lord Harry thing of the Earl of Gryffindor. I fucking love that. Um, I love time travel. and There, there are hundreds of those stories. There's hundreds of independent Harry stories. And I just didn't know what I had to tell or, or what I had to give to the Harry Potter fandom that I considered valuable. Um, so I uh, broke my foot. <laughs> That's what happened. I broke my foot, and and that was my entry into to Harry Potter because I broke it, and I hated my oh god, I fucking hated, I fucking hated those um 
those fucking crutches, so I was kind of stuck. And I hated to get up and go anywhere, so my husband would load me down with supplies and leave me. And then he'd come back, and then he'd leave me. He'd go to work, and he'd come back home for lunch. And um, and all I had was my laptop. And I wrote Birth of the Serpent King in 30 days. And I sent it to Lady Holder, and she was totally not expecting that. She did not see that shit coming. Um, and so it was like, here, sorry. <laughs> And that was it. I, I, I thought maybe that I was, you know, I kind of thought I had a sequel in me about it, and I kind of worked on it here and there, but I, I wasn't really super inspired by writing a sequel, and it was just, I don't know. And I still, I am writing on a sequel for that, and it's 35K, I think, right now, and I'm I'm, I'm really into it. Um, but I wasn't to begin with. And then, um, I guess about a year, maybe a year and a half later, I fell off a curb and broke my other foot. And two and a half weeks later, Lady Holder got um, that old black magic in her email. Maybe three weeks total, yeah. Two and a half, three weeks. And so, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond is actually really old work that I'm repurposing that my husband rescued off a of floppy disk. Um So you know, it's just it. It, it, it was like I, I guess it was a refuge from irritation. I I, I really don't know. Um, it was just ugh, I was so mad, um, about the whole thing. And um, I think uh, I I super adore the Inception fandom, but I haven't. I mean, I have some works in progress, but they're not really um, inspiring me. So I don't know where that's going to go. Um, I. I'm really disillusioned with the Hobbit fandom and their behavior over the summer with For the Joy. Um, I have never seen a writer treated that way before. Because when someone steals your work, steals your plot, steals your scenes, I mean, it's not just taking of an idea, because ideas aren't the same. You know, uh, An idea can be retread 3,000 times, but never the same way twice. But... I have never seen a fandom turn on a, a, a group of people turn on a writer who was stolen from that way before, and it really put me off that fandom. And I don't know. Um, oh, it's it's just so terrible because she was the victim, and they treated her like she was an asshole for pointing out that this other person stole her work. Oh, God, it. I got, you can't see me, but I'm totally wearing an aneurysm face right now, for those of you who are in the Hawaii Five-O fandom. Speaking of the Hawaii Five-O fandom, I was really super into Hawaii Five-O until Danny cheated um, with his, um, and until Danny fucked his ex-wife, who's married. Uh, and I lost all respect for his character, and so I I rage quit the fandom, and I barely watched the show, um, and... I try not. I oh, there's just no way that I could tolerate um, writing him past, say, I don't know, episode eight of season one, just to be safe, because uh, terrible. Oh, everyone. Oh, God. 
It was ugly. It was some ugly fucking ass behavior. And um, the worst part is, actually, is that she got away with it, really. I mean, she faced absolutely no consequences for her scummy ass behavior, and and neither did Danny, and I don't appreciate it. Um, I think when you do something ugly and vicious, you should pay for it. And maybe that's why I'm not um, all that keen Um, on the show anymore is because he really didn't have any consequences, although apparently he found out recently that that second kid she had is actually his, which is kind of a consequence. And that makes her actions even uglier, because not only did she cheat on her current husband with her ex-husband, she got pregnant and lied to them both about who the kid belonged to. And would have probably continued to lie if the kid hadn't got sick. And I'll, oh, it just, and to be perfectly honest, he's a scumbag and he doesn't deserve to date Steve McGarrett. And that's why I stopped shipping Steve and Tony. At least that version of Steve and Tony. I'm all about the Avengers. Woo! I'm not going to be watching Civil War. Just to let you know, I I, I plan on skipping a Civil War. I, what will happen is I'll make my husband watch it. Um, oh yeah, Dano. Yeah, it's Dano. I actually get totally on board with Steve and Tony Dinozo. I'm on board with that McGarrett Dinozo. I'm very tempted to write it. I'm super tempted to write it. Um. <clears throat> Also, I, uh, but no, Dano, I, I just, I just have no interest whatsoever in, in, in panning, and I just, if, if I wrote it, I would have to write him, like, from, I don't know, episode five, maybe eight, and, um, I would probably kill his ex-wife. I would probably kill Rachel. Um, there's just no way that Rachel would survive one of my fanfics. I just, oh God. <laughs> My my chat room is full of enablers, but and I think enabling is part of it because um, you tend to, when you have a group of um, writer friends online and one of your writer friends dips their toes in something, you're like, oh, look, look, look how shiny that is. Because I really wasn't all that interested in Tony Dinozo and Steve McGarrett until Jilly, um, Jilly corrupted me. And I'm like, oh, look at that. That's so pretty. Oh. That's so pretty. It's oh, yeah. All about it now. All about it. I went over to the AO3, but there aren't a whole lot of wrecks. I mean, um, there aren't a whole lot of stories for for Denozo McGarrett yet. But I'm really super hopeful because um, they are in the same universe. Keep that in mind. NCIS is um part of the Hawaii Five-O universe. So it's perfectly possible that Tony and Steve could meet because Tony's a Navy cop and Steve's a Navy SEAL. Come on, that's some that you're right, Jeep. That's some fucking shiny shit. Let's get it. Let's get it on, fandom. Get it on. No, we don't blame Jilly. We credit Jilly. That's right. No blame. All the credit. Um. So when it comes to writing in a fandom, I have to be inspired not only by the canon, but by the fandom itself. I, 
one reason why I've never written an NCIS is because I'm not particularly um, – the fandom doesn't inspire me. The the other writers in the fandom don't inspire me at all. Um, and sometimes I think if I was going to ship Gibbs with anybody, it, it would be with Fornell. I'm not sorry. I'm totally not sorry. Totally right to old man sex. I would totally write to old man slash. I I would. That's where I would go. Although I do have a work in progress for Tony and Gibbs. I do. Lady Holder has seen it. Don't ask for questions. Um, don't ooh me. Don't shame my ships. No ship shaming. But I do have um, a, yeah, I have something going on for that. And um, Lady Holder has seen the uh, the rough draft. Um, and um, I will see how it goes. But so, yeah, so when I, and my writing process for entering a fandom basically goes like this for the most part. Exposure to canon, exposure to fandom and inspiration. And if the canon... And the fandom don't inspire me, then I, then I don't write um, in the fandom. I just, I just don't. Oh no, I would never write Fornell and Denozo. I would definitely write Gibbs and Fornell. Totally. Um, I think McGee's an asshole, so I don't ship him with anybody. And um, I know that it's a sore point in fandom, but I don't. I am not one of those people who thinks that Ziva and McGee should have gotten away with leaving Tony in the field without backup. I, It's not funny, it's not a joke, and they could have gotten him killed, and it's bullshit that the show treated it like it was fucking funny, when it was not fucking funny at all. I'm never going to know. It's just not going to happen. Um... Yeah, Dead Air ruined me. Um, Dead Air ruined me for McGee's character. And I was almost to the point where I could tolerate Ziva. I really didn't like her in the very beginning because I was totally a Kate fan. But I got used to her, and then they did Dead Air. And then they did the one where she shot Tony and lied about it, or they were together or separate, or they were, I don't know, whatever. It, it was really fucking annoying. It was, what was it called? The one where they were in the crate. They were all boxed in, maybe? Boxed in? Oh, it's it fucking infuriating. Not only did she disobey orders, she injured him and then lied about it. Yes, so JAG is part of the same universe. NCIS and all of its spinoffs are part of the same universe. And Hawaii Five-O is part of um, NCIS because Hawaii Five-O has crossed over with NCIS LA. And Jag um, was the booster pilot for NCIS, the original series. McGee's books are pretty creepy, actually. He's he's um, using his coworkers to make money. It's very mercenary and really super stupid. It is stupid. You don't obviously write about real people in your books because they can sue you and take your money. It's dumb. 
one of my favorite fics, in fact, is after the events of, um, what you call it, the one where they left him in the field, Dead Zone. Um, Tony does sue McGee, Dead Air, Dead Air. Um, after the events of Dead Air, um, he reports McGee, and then he sues him for using him in his books. <laughs> it was great. I fucking love that story. And I forget what it's called. Um, I I just, I I really, really super have a problem um, with um, the events of Dead Air and, uh, and and how it was treated. So um, NCIS um, both intrigues me and pisses me off. I don't ship Callan and Hannah. I did to begin with, and then they introduced us to his badass wife. And Michelle's the fucking bomb. She's amazing. So after that, I couldn't ship Callan and Hannah anymore. Because I can't see any circumstance where I killed Michelle off or he left Michelle. Because she's a fucking beast, man. She's awesome. I love her. She's great, you know. And she's just like, no. No, I can't. But I do kind of ship um, Callan with um, the dirty-haired blonde guy. What's his name? Uh, What's his name? I forget his name. I haven't watched that show in a bit. Uh, He's with... Her in the show. Um, anyways, uh, I'd be on board with Callan and Tony Dinozo, actually. Deeks. I do like Callan and Deeks, um, but I would totally be on board with Callan and Dinozo. I think that'd be really interesting. They have a lot of baggage between them. Um, anyways, so that's my, my adventures in fandom. I... Um, I get intrigued by canon sometimes. I get seduced by fandom. And the better the writers are in a particular fandom, the more likely I am to kind of dip my finger in. Because if I get really super inspired by another writer's work in a fandom, I'm like, oh, God, okay, yeah, that was, let's go. Let's get on this ship together and see where we can take it. So, um, I, you know... I fell in love with Astolot, and that propelled me into um, to fandom, and I um, I have no regrets, not a single one. Anyways, that's my show for tonight. You guys have a great evening, and I hope that the sound quality isn't too bad considering their production issues at Blog Talk, and I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>